Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in Portland. And this is Dimity in Denver. But you are off to your homeland, off, aren't you? Yes, off to Duluth, another D city. Let's, Duluth isn't my homeland, but well, but Minnesota is. is Minnesota. Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah, I'm headed there tomorrow morning for the Grandma's uh, Expo and race, the marathon and the half marathon. Um, the Expo is... Friday, no, Thursday and Friday. And the mm-hmm. race is actually on Saturday morning, which mm-hmm. is um, going to be interesting. So super excited to go back, you know, see Midwesterners and bask in the warmth of everything that is, you know, gophers and, you know, cheese curds and everything that that uh, that I love about SOTA. So <laughs> should, should be a fun trip. And then you are going to have um, a member of your family accompanying you. Special guest. <laughs> yes. I know. A special guest on my Duluth trip is... Um, is my husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Grant is going to run another marathon after um, he ran Napa. Um, I early don't, March. I don't even know when that was, that March? Yeah, yeah super early March. Mm-hmm. Super early March um, when he was, you know, he's got Boston on his mind. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it just it just sounds so hard to me. I can't even tell you. I mean, and it's, and it's like almost like it doesn't compute, you know, because like, you know, he had, I was telling you about his run and he's like, well, you know, I really needed you know, 743 splits and I was at 750 and I'm just like, what's the difference? You're just like running so dang fast, you know, like, yeah. it, but that makes a difference obviously when you're trying to, he has to go sub 325. Yeah. I was like, cause what are you 44? He goes, no, I'm 46. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <I'm> like, nice. <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, so yeah, so he's like, I, uh, he's done it once before, but didn't do it with enough of a cushion. So he didn't get into Boston. That was two or three years ago. So mm-hmm. he's going for it again. And I, you know, I, I was telling you guys earlier, like, I'm not sure he can do it um, because I just think his training is just not, I mean, the time that he qualified, he trained so hard and did so many long, long runs Mm -hmm. um, that I just, like, it was inevitable that he was going to do it. This one, he's got, um, you know, elevation on his side for sure. Um, And I mean, he is running you know, really well. It's just, you just have to run really, really, really well <laughs> throughout sub 325, you know? So, so, so did, did he work with a coach this time or no? He did. He did. He worked with, um, a guy from, um, he used to work at, um, Carmichael training systems, which is yeah. in Colorado Springs. You might, I remember that. To, Chris Carmichael was Lance Armstrong's coach way back in the day, which, you know, who knows? That's not even a cool thing to say anymore because Lance is obviously, not what he used to be as far as the public figure, but, um, but yeah, so anyway, so Grant, um, hooked up with a coach there named Jason Coop, who is a super talented ultra runner and, um, and also co- obviously a really good coach. And I think he coaches quite a few, um, maybe not like Olympic caliber athletes, but like front, front of the pack oh, athletes. Like sub, so sub elites, uh-huh. sub elites. Yeah. That's a good word. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so Jason's been guiding him and I mean, his thing was Jason's thing and this is all you know, I, I could have this wrong playing operator here because I never <laughs> talked to Jason and, you know, sometimes Grant and I, we talk, but then I'm also, you know, cutting potatoes or whatever. Um, but he was talking about how he had the endurance, like he had the endurance from Napa, but he had to get some speed. So mm-hmm. most weekends this, you know, in this training cycle, he would run back to back half marathon. So Saturday and Sunday was, you know, um, an hour, a 13 mile run, 13 mile run, 13 mile run, 13 mile run. And so, I mean, and they, you know, again, like, it's just so hard for me to, to feel like he's lacking because he's, it's so strong in my, you know, when Mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. you, you, obviously you see the world through your perspective, right? Your view. And I'm like, I have a hard time. I mean, I, the idea of like running like a seven thirty mile right now, I don't, 
know that I could do that, you know, let alone 26 of them, you yeah. know? So it's so hard to be like, why, why are you complaining? You know, you're doing so well, but, um, but again, it's all relative. So we'll uh, see. I mean, we'll see. It's going to be fun. I mean, so we're going to have, um, so in addition to grant running, I mean, I've met a bunch of women, um, running that I met out in Minneapolis. There's a couple coming from Colorado that I saw. So mm-hmm. it's a point to point course. So I'm not sure how, easy it'll be to see people, but we're going to do what we can. I'm going with um, Denise again, Denise Dollar, our, our wing woman, while you continue yeah. to heal. I want to uh-huh. hear about that in a second. Um, and then um, Joanne, who is a mother runner from Minnesota, we get to stay at her cabin, which is a highlight. So that's, oh, that's another Minnesota thing. Yeah. So, because um, it's, so, lo- it's on a lake, right? I believe it is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Um, she keeps talking about doing like a naked, naked <laughs> run, naked, naked, like run and I'm like mm, I don't know about that but um <laughs> meanwhile like you're like one of the few people that would look look fine naked it's just like <laughs> come on <laughs> yeah yeah um so yeah so it, so it's gonna be a fun weekend no matter what and we're going to as Sunday is a fa- is Father's Day as, as mm-hmm. everybody probably knows and um and we're gonna go to the Twins game which Grant is a big baseball fan so um so we'll have a good we'll have a good weekend nonetheless. And Grant, I I know he will be appreciative of his miles no matter what. And I I mean of course I hope that he gets it. I really really do. But I just um, I, it's one of those things like it's just not a well it's never a given, right? Yeah. yeah but, no. Um, it is, no, it is not a given. No. No. Yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. And I mean also the you know it's June. The weather yeah. can play a factor. You know, who, well, yeah. who knows? The weather, um, up until like yesterday, it was supposed to be like 61 and raining, which mm. I mean, not great for spectators, but pretty good running weather. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yes, just today I looked on my phone and it's Wednesday. So we still have some time to have it shake out, but it's supposed to, now it's supposed to be 81. High oh. 81. oh no, yeah. that's no good. I know. Mm-mm. I know. And it starts at 745, which oh. I feel like it's late for mm-hmm. a June know. race. Yeah. yeah. That is so, late for a June race. Yeah. Particularly because it's going to be really bright early because it's so far north, which yeah. is, you know, the thing that I ran into when I ran uh, Vancouver, B.C. Um, two years ago. And, you know, that race started at 845 and the sun was up, you know, up by 415. So it felt by 845, it felt like it was noonday sun. So wow, that started at 845? 845. The marathons in both both Canadian races, marathons I've done have started at 845. And the half marathons start before them by a long stretch. Like the Vancouver half starts, I think it started at 730 or 745. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're the ones who have to keep going. So can yeah, we start the way around? Yeah, no. And, and so, wow. so, in, so in Victoria did the same thing. I mean, it made for a very leisurely morning, but... <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, but in Victoria, all the, um, you know, they had various different, I think they had like an 8k or something and, uh, maybe a 5k and a half marathon. Those all start before the marathon. Wow. So it's kind of like, you know, it's the, um, premier event. And so they want, I guess, I don't know, spectators be out. I don't know. Yeah. So, yes. So, and so you were on your path, speaking of journeys, you are on your path to healing, right? You, you're out of that. I have been, I have. And we had, um, last week I Instagrammed me clomping downstairs in my little peg leg, um, thing with the cast on down to the studio down here in my basement. And so today, and I Instagrammed that and people laughed at it. So today I'm like, Oh, Alex, we have to do another one. And so I came down my boot and, you know, took the stairs just, you know, one after another. And so I, my life has really, really changed very much much for the better in just a short amount of time. And I got 
the cast off on Thursday morning, and as I blogged about on Monday, I burst into tears when the doctor told me that it could be a weight-bearing boot. I was so happy, and he was so confused by my reaction. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, wait a second. Okay, I'll leave the cast on. Okay. (laughs) So so then, um, and no one told me that when you take your first step um, after being in a cast and having a broken bone that, gee, it might hurt a little bit. And so it was really, I have not had, I've been very fortunate. I've had very, very little pain throughout this entire experience. But when I took that first step, it was like there were a thousand Lilliputians shooting flaming arrows into my ankle. (laughs) And so that made me a, a, a trifle tentative. And so I, when I got home, I um, used one crutch and I had a real honor on Saturday. Um, there's this um, running specialty store here in town called Foot Traffic and they opened a new store on the other side of the river and they have, they, um, they have, it's, you'll laugh at this, but they have a, um, um, at several of their stores, they have huge wooden um, sculptures carved by chainsaw because this is the Pacific Northwest and we do love our limber lumber here. We love our lumber and your limber. <laughs> yeah. Your limber lumber. I would say we love our wood, but that might, you know, make me chuckle. Um, so, um, so they had a, they want to, this store is, um, has an emphasis on women's running and it's on uh, Cornell Road for locals who are listening. And so they had um, they nominated a whole bunch of women from Portland for the Hall of Fame. And I'm very honored to be one of those people. And they, um, uh, I got a plaque, and I'm looking at it now. It says, Foot Traffic recognizes you for your amazing contributions to the running and walking community. Thank you. And uh, there, was, there was an unveiling of a chainsaw sculpture of Kara Goucher. Yeah, um, yeah. That, that also feels like a Minnesota. Like, I feel like that's like kind of like a northern cabin thing. Like, everyone has their like little bears out with like mm-hmm. the gone fishing sign, right? Yeah, like- yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so the reason I'm talking about this event was so that was Saturday morning, and and I got the boot on Thursday, and so my verbalized goal was I was going to walk without the crutch by Monday. But my inner goal, my A goal, was that I was going to go to the foot traffic event without a crutch. And so I got a little buzzed on Friday evening, and that made me a little um, less cautious, less hesitant on my on my foot. And so I put a little more weight on it than I had been. And Saturday morning, I woke up. I'm like, that's it. No more crutch. And I just started walking, and I started walking normally. And it just... I Did it, so, did it hurt still? No, no, no pain. No. So, um, yeah, so, and, you know, I think that some people looked at me and people, I think maybe who didn't kind of know the backstory behind it looked at me with like a little, oh, that's too bad. I'm like thinking, no, this is great guys. I'm here in a (laughs) boot with no crutch on. So, um, so yeah, it was, uh, and, and it was, I, I have discovered that it's been a, it's been such a true delight to be around other runners, whether it was at this foot traffic event or at the happy girls race that I emceed out in Bend a couple weekends ago. So, um, it just really, it's nice to draw off that energy. Yeah. So. Well, it's funny. Cause we see people at expo sometimes and they're like, you know, dressed up, they've got their cute skirt on and they're buying merchandise and stuff. And then they're in a boot and we're like, Oh, why are they here? And it is, it, there is something just about being with your people and being with your crowd. Even if you can't, you know, do exactly what you want to do. You do get a lot of just good vibes off of it, right? Oh, I know. But sometimes when I saw those people, I would be like, oh, I feel badly for them. And, oh, they must feel kind of conflicted about being here. And I don't know, call me a chucklehead or something. But I just I I haven't had I I just just felt so 
upbeat and excited to be around people and to just, you know, I saw so many um, women runners that I know here in town at the foot traffic event. And it was just, it was, um, I just, I was on a high for the rest of the day. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. good. One of, one of many new perspectives you get to have with, yeah. uh, with this situation. So most, that's great. Most definitely. So uh, you alluded to Father's Day and as people are, if they're listening to this when it comes out, that is um, tomorrow. So we, uh, it's our- So tr- run and get your roses now. <laughs> yes. Run and get your, what else? What, what do you get uh, for Father's Day? Um, uh, I'm, um, Nothing, says Sarah. No. Not my father. I was going to say something that might have to be bleeped on this uh, oh, podcast. Okay. So, um, uh, gosh, I sent some really nice cards to my dad um, that uh-huh. the kids had well, done. He's your father. That's, yes, I mean, that's exactly. Yeah, not necessarily for your husband. You yes. Know? So no, I um uh no, um I don't know. We haven't even discussed it in our household, so I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what Sunday will bring for us. But as a um another mother runner tradition that we have is to have a father runner on our podcast. So today we are going to be joined by Sean Evans, who is the father of two school-age sons. And along with his wife, they live in upstate New York. Uh, Sean is a physical therapist. He's also an ultramarathoner who had aspirations to qualify for the Olympic marathon trials. And now Sean, along with his eight-year-old son Seamus, are gearing up to run cross-country. Seamus will be in a special running chariot. They've dubbed their west-to-east journey the power to push run across America. And we will link to their website. I'll say it. It's um, www.ainsleysangels.org slash power to push. So, but before we start talking with Sean, let's take a short break. Welcome to the show, Sean, and happy Father's Day. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. So, so share the story of your running background with us, please, including your goal of qualifying for the Olympic marathon trials. Sure. So I started distance running when I was in grad school. I had finished playing varsity soccer in college and uh, needed something to keep me fit and keep me active. So I decided to try uh, try distance running. And um, I entered my first marathon in 2001. It was the Philadelphia Marathon. And uh, my goal during that race was to qualify for the Boston Marathon. I didn't really you know, know if that was possible or uh, you know, how well I was prepared to reach that goal. But I went out and I ran fast and I didn't really know a whole lot about pacing. And I looked around and I was surrounded by Kenyans and I realized that probably, <laughs> <laughs> I realized that probably I went out a little too fast. Um, but I hung with it as long as I could. I uh, ended up having to start walking at mile 20. Oh. And uh, I came within four minutes of qualifying for Boston in my, my very first marathon. So I kind of got hooked after that and wanted to see if I could do it. So I ran a marathon the following spring in Buffalo and uh, broke three hours easily after having learned quite a bit about pacing in my first marathon. And from there, over the years, I just um, realized that I had kind of a propensity for distance running, that I, that I could endure really well. And uh, I just kept working on my speed. And my goal from that point became to qualify for the Olympic trials or to run that, that time, which at the time was two hours and 22 minutes. Wow. Uh, and I came within... Um, I think four minutes of doing that, I ran a 2:26, um, and then they shortly after that they lowered the time to 2:20. <laughs> oh, dang uh, it! <laughs> I know. So I kept plugging away at it, uh, but I, I ended up with some injuries. In 2012, I required surgery on both of my hips uh, to repair a torn labrum and some bone spurs that had occurred, and I had a sports hernia. So I decided to have all that stuff repaired during 2012, and kind of took the year off from running. And when I returned to running in 
2013, I, uh, I was having a hard time getting back into it. Now, all along while I was training, um, my son Seamus would join me on training runs, and um, he has cerebral palsy, so uh, you know he, he uses a wheelchair to get around. He doesn't run on his own, so I would take him out and just just like any dad would when their child is small, take him out in a jogging stroller. And for us, you know, that meant you know a 20 mile run on a weekend while I was training for my marathons. Which took you, what, like an hour? So <laughs> most, you know, most mother runners will be out there for like six miles for an hour. <laughs> Meanwhile, yeah, you're mean, like... Oh. Well, Seamus likes to go fast, so that's part of... Uh, he was really my coach all, all through it all. I've never had a professional coach or anything, and Seamus barking at me to go faster was, <laughs> was my best motivation. <laughs> but in, 2000, in 2013, um, after you know, I had been laid up for a year really, um, Seamus asked if we could go for a run and that was what motivated me to get back into it. I was just having a hard time because I, I just felt like I didn't have my speed. I felt like you know, I wasn't going to be able to, to reach my goals, but when Seamus wanted to go, I, uh, I said, let's do it. And, and that's when we got back into it. But I realized that he had outgrown his jogging stroller. You know, he was seven at the time. So he, I was still pushing him in 2012 or 2011, when we had last run together, I was still pushing him in his, you know, infant or child jogging stroller, and he had gotten too big for it. So I was desperate to get a chair this so that we could run together. He wanted to do it, and that had motivated me to want to get back into running. So I contacted Ainsley's Angels, and that, that's what they do. They help to supply families with uh, equipment so that they can compete in endurance events, whether that be triathlons or bike races or running events um, and they helped us to get our running chair and then Seamus and I were back at it again and we started running together and once Seamus got those new wheels he actually start, wanted to start racing together up until that point we had just done you know, training runs together for for my marathons and for my races but at that point he said you know dad I think I'd like to race now with these with these new wheels so yeah. that's that's what we started to do Shining. So did you know about Ainsley's Angels before? Did you find them on an internet search or something? Because, I mean, the background of you having you on the show is I was just at Zuma Annapolis and I met an ambassador whose name is escaping me right now. Does anyone remember her name? Was it Liz, maybe? What was, was it? Say it. Was it Liz? It may have been Liz. I can't. I'm sorry if, if, if you're listening. I'm sorry. But, but she had your shirt on. And then she was telling me about Ainsley's Angels and the and the mission of it, which is so cool, is to get this, the chairs out to to people who need them, who can either you know it's either families, right, or even if I like have an interest in pushing somebody, I could contact them and and they could possibly connect me. Is that right? Yeah, that's the great thing about Ainsley's Angels is you don't have to have an ultra marathon running father to be able to, <laughs> com <laughs> to compete in events. Uh, Ainsley's Angels helps team up. Uh, able-bodied runners with children or individuals really it doesn't even have to be a child with a disability who wants to compete so you know we find angel riders and we find angel runners and we pair them up and yeah we we run in local you know 5k 10k half marathon marathon or in our case ultra marathon so but no your question about how i came upon them is, is interesting because i don't know if you, are you familiar with team hoyt at all out of boston oh, yeah. Dick, i saw Dick i saw yeah i saw them when i ran boston in 2012 i saw them in the race itself which was yeah, so a high point of the race, needless to say. Without a doubt, they were always uh, a, tr a real big inspiration to me, even before Seamus was ever born, just seeing those guys do what they do. And Dick really paved the road for what Seamus and I are doing now. Um, so I, I reached out to them because I knew of them and, and had met them 
you know, just at Boston Marathon Expos and things like that. So I knew of them and I, and I called them and I was amazed when they answered the phone. Uh, <laughs> and I said, I said, Dick, where do you get the chair that you push Rick in? Seamus is too big for his jogging chair and we need something so that we can continue to run together. And, and his response was, you know, we, we'd love to help you out we, and we can help you out. But those chairs are custom built and they're about five or six thousand dollars. And for you guys, that just doesn't make sense because Seamus is still growing Mm-hmm. And, um, but there's this guy, major Kim Rossiter, and he goes by rooster mm-hmm. and he's out of Virginia beach and he has an organization called Ainsley's angels. And, uh, you know, they'll help you get something much more affordable that will still work for you until Seamus does need something more custom. So I emailed rooster and literally within five minutes, he got back to me and said, all right, awesome. You know, what can we do to help you want a chair? Here's how, here's what we need to do. Um, he set us up with a fundraising page and asked us to raise $800 for Ainsley's Angels. And these chairs that, that he had supplied us with retail for about $1,000 when we were looking at them online. So we said, yeah, we'll, we'll raise $800 to help you guys out. And uh, my wife and I put something up on Facebook. And within four or five hours, we had raised over $1,300 just from wow. friends and family and even strangers that, you know, liked the story and or had heard of Seamus or whatever. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And five days later, we had our chair. Wow. Oh, FedEx and everything, huh? No doubt. Seamus <laughs> wanted his wheels. I want to race, Dad. I want to race. Well, so so you have two sons. So tell us their ages. And then um, tell us a little bit about, about Seamus and, like, what kind of personality he has. He's obviously a, a go-getter, huh? Without a doubt. So Seamus is nine, and his younger brother was born 20 months later. His name is Simon. He's seven now. They're... Uh, they are best friends and they are one grade apart in school. And um, Simon, you know, really looks up to his big brother, but they, they help each other out a lot too, because Simon is an able-bodied and is able-bodied and Seamus does have the disability. Um, as far as Seamus' personality, the, the most common thing that people say to my wife and I is he is always smiling and they're just amazed at that. And he really, really is. He's got this permanent grin on his face and he goes through life with such a positive attitude um, but I think we could all learn a lot from him. And he's he's just a, an inspiration to me with the joy that he exudes on a daily basis. Um, he's a bright, bright kid. We're lucky, you know, that his cerebral palsy doesn't impact his ability to think or dream big, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, um, he, you know, he's one of the best students in his class, even though he, he can he can be a little lazy t- sometimes. He doesn't mind having people help him out, you know, and his friends at school love to help him. Um, and, and si- he loves to let Simon do his, his homework for him. <laughs> as, as all younger brothers like to do for their older brothers, right? Sure. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so then when you and Seamus did get racing to start racing together, um, you kind of started with a bang. Um, tell us about yeah, that. So our, yeah. Our very first race, I let Seamus pick cause he, he really wanted to get into running racing. Um, so we had a local a couple local races and I let him choose. And we had one on the 4th of July called the firecracker four in Saratoga, four mile race on the 4th of July. And that day it was about 95 degrees Mm. and 95% humidity. It was super, super hot. And I was just worried about Seamus baking in the sun, but he had a blast in the race because people were spraying us with hoses and sprinklers and, you know, water guns and things like that. Um, and, and to him, it was like an amusement park ride. It was like a water <laughs> ride. <laughs> I was, I was sweating like crazy, but you know, him just cheering me on and, um, and we had a good race. We, we had a lot of fun. And as soon as we finished, he said, 
dad, I, I know that you're running a race next month. Can I run it with you? Well, that race happened to be my very first ultra marathon. As I said, I was trying to, you know, get myself back into running and I figured I didn't have the speed that I wanted to, to run a real fast marathon. So I figured I'd try ultra marathoning. I felt like I still had some endurance. So I'd signed myself up for this six hour race in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. It was a, you know, obviously a timed event on a closed course. And Seamus asked if he could, if he could run that race with me. It was set to be my very first ultra marathon. <laughs> no pressure, but, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so that's my first thought is, geez, I don't, I don't know if I can get myself through it, let alone push you through it. But I decided, you know, yes, why, why, you know, why not? It was a closed course, 0.355 miles around this park cinder track. Hmm. And you run that lap or that loop around that park as many times as you can in six hours. So I figured it would be a safe race for Seamus because it was closed to traffic and there'd be constant aid. And my wife would be really within visual distance the entire time. Um, so I said, sure, you know, we'll give it a try. And, uh, as, as soon as you want to take a break, just let me know and you can sit and watch with mommy and I'll try and keep running. So the race, the race comes around race morning. Seamus is the very first one up super bright and early because he was so excited. Carb loading. uh, Yeah, yeah, no doubt. (laughs) He, uh, he says, dad, let's try and win today. So, so we went from, you know, participating and, uh, just being a part of it. And he he goes, I want to try and win. So I said, you know, we'll, we'll do the best we can. And, you know, really all I was thinking was that I wanted to survive the day. <laughs> and um, so we started the race and, uh, you know, 15 minutes in, I asked, you know, how, how you doing? You want to take a break? How you feeling? You getting bored or whatever? And, and he said, no, he, he kept, want, kept wanting to go on. And I would ask him every 15 minutes, every half hour or so. And I could tell he was getting sick of me asking. So I stopped asking. <laughs> and uh, No, dad, no. <laughs> that's, that's right. Four and a half hours later, my wife steps in and says, Seamus, you need to take a break. You have to take a bathroom break. You have to eat lunch. We need to stretch your legs a little bit. So finally he relented and said, okay, dad, I'll take a break, but you need to keep going. (laughs) So as much as I wanted to take a break and as much as my, my hips were still sore, and this was just nine months after my, my hip surgery. So I was, I was still feeling a little bit sore as my hips were recovering from the surgery. And there was still some of that post-surgical soreness, um, but I, I agreed. I said, all right, I'll keep going. And I did. I kept running for the 20 minutes that he took a break. He hopped back in and uh, we finished the race together. And uh, he just encouraged me to keep going the whole time and keep running. And, and, and I did. And after the six hours were up, we had run over 45 miles, which was oh uh, more than anybody else had run that day. And we ended up winning the race. So it was just a, an incredible, um, an incredible thing to accomplish uh, for one for my very first ultra marathon. But too, because I was, I was pushing Seamus and, um, you know, I was, I was the only one that was doing that, Mm -hmm. but, but I, I, I say to people when they say what an incredible accomplishment, I say that without Seamus that day, there's no way I I don't think I would have won that race because I would have stopped myself to take a break or, you know, take a nap or (laughs) to eat lunch or whatever. But with him wanting to keep going, it inspired me to keep going And, and his smile and the joy on his face that he was experiencing as we were running around that track all day long just inspired me to uh, do something really that I didn't know I was capable of doing. That's really cool. That's awesome, and I have to yeah. say that's pretty mature of him. I mean, cause now, I don't know many kids that would sit, you know, and do the exact same thing for almost six hours, you know? Well, yeah. Yeah. You think about most two, three, four year olds are, 
you know, going from one thing to the next and, and you're lucky to get him to focus on something for five minutes. Yeah. But when Seamus, when Seamus was like 18 months old, he would sit and obviously he was limited in his mobility, but he wasn't, you know, looking for the next thing. He would sit and play with a toy or a game for a long time. And uh, oftentimes yeah. I think Nicole and I would get bored before he would with something. <laughs> yeah. So he's just, yeah. so as I've got the ability to endure in running, you know, he's just got the ability to, to tolerate or endure and, or enjoy the moment maybe more than, more than most. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now he's going to really uh, test his um, patience, right? And maturity and all that, because you are going to head out on the power to push run across America. Um, first of all, Tell us about it. And was was it dreamt up by Seamus? Yes, without a doubt. This was Seamus's idea. It was never on my bucket list to run across <laughs> America. <laughs> I was I was content, you know, running marathons or, you know, and even ultra marathons. I, I was content with that. But as soon as we finished that race in Pittsfield that day, we got in the car and here I am, you know, just reveling in the moment of the accomplishment. And she could see Seamus's little wheel spinning. Um <laughs> He goes, Dad, how far could we run if we ran that far every day for summer vacation? Oh and, you know, I thought he was just asking a question. So I, I helped him with the calculations. He was only seven at the time. And we've, my wife and I said, yeah, we could run over 3,000 miles if we did that. And he goes, wow, that's a long ways. How far could we, how far could we go? if we ran 3000 miles. So again, more as an exercise in geography or map skills than anything, we pulled out a map of the United States and showed him we could run all the way from this side of the country in this ocean to the other side of the country in this ocean. And you could just see a light bulb go off in his head. And, and he goes, we got to do that. Oh, sounds <laughs> again, like the start of a movie or something. We got to do this, you know, cue the operatic, the music and all that stuff. My gosh. That's right. So, my wife and I, Nicole and I, just kind of thought that he would outgrow it, that he'd forget about it, you know, as kids do. You know, they come up with these grand schemes sometimes, and but they'll pass. But with Seamus, it didn't. And uh, he asked us about it literally every night from August um, on. And, uh, you know, my wife and I would always come up with a, some kind of excuse or reason that, you know, we couldn't do it. So he'd say, when are we going to run across America? And we'd say something like, uh, you know, that's going to cost a lot of money. It takes a lot of time. And I'm, I'm not a teacher or anything. And I, I would say things like, I don't know how or if I can get that kind of time off from work. So there was always a reason that we gave him. But right around Thanksgiving of that year, that was 2013. So three months or so after we had run that first ultra marathon, and he was asking about running across the country every day. He said to me when I tucked him in, he goes, Dad, when we run across America, and he always said when, he never said if, he always said when, <laughs> he said, when we run across America, can we donate chairs to other kids like me so that they can feel what it's like to run, so that they know what it's like to roll with the wind, because that's kind of Ainsley's Angels tagline, roll with the wind. And where he came up with that idea, I have no idea, but from that moment on, I was sold. Um, when he wanted to pay it forward to other kids, I mean, that for a seven-year-old kid to come yeah. up with an idea like that, it was just so inspiring to me. And, yeah. you know, the next week I went into my boss and I said, here's Seamus's idea. How do you feel about me taking the summer of 2015 off from work? And, um, you know, I didn't know how she would react, but knowing our family and having known Seamus and met him several times and hearing what his mission was, you know, she was, she was all about it and said, you know, do what you need to do. This sounds like a once in a lifetime opportunity. 
and we're we're behind you. So that was uh, that was really the beginning of this uh, Ainsley's Angels Power to Push Run Across America mission that we uh, will be undertaking in just a few weeks now. That's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I mean, I get annoyed by my kids saying every night, "What's for dinner, mom? What's for dinner? What's for dinner?" Like if they want to say, "Like when are we going to run across America?" <laughs> just be like, oh my gosh, I don't know. I don't know. And we're not. I don't even know what I'm having for dinner. Distract, um, redirect. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's what everybody says. And but Seamus is just again to describe his personality, persistent. Persistence is is uh, his middle name. Yeah. <laughs> That's well, awesome. I mean, you guys, I mean, you see, I mean, he seems perfect. Obviously it's, it's obviously his dream. And oh my gosh, I mean, that, that is so cool that, I mean, what an old soul, amazing spirit he has. That, that's the other, that's on. the other, that's the other way people describe him, that he has an old soul and to, to sit and listen to him and, and yet he gets the jokes and he gets, uh, he's got such a sense of humor and his teachers will say, you know, they'll kind of be, he has two teachers in his classroom and he says that they'll kind of make or they say that they'll kind of make jokes to one another and Seamus will be the only one laughing because the only one, he's the only one that gets it. So he definitely does have an old soul and, and that's kind of not how Nicole and I have scribe, described him all along. So it's interesting that you say that or that you picked yeah. up on that. Yeah. yeah. So you are setting off on July 4th. Um, is that because of, uh, that's the anniversary of when you first raced or, um, you know, I don't know. And, and then... yeah, there, yeah, there's several reasons that we ended up picking July 4th. And really that is the ultimate reason is because it's the two year anniversary of our very first race together. But also, um, Seamus and his younger brother go to an adaptive summer camp. It's mm. obviously, although Simon is able-bodied, they allow, um, the, the camp that Seamus goes to, it's called double H ranch and it's near where we live, uh, Again, it's adaptive for kids with disabilities, uh, terminal illnesses, life-altering disabilities. Um, Seamus goes there for a week of summer camp, and when Simon turned six, I think you have to be you have to be six to be able to go there. They um, allow children to bring their siblings, so that's something that is uh, really important to Seamus and his brother. So they actually leave for camp next Wednesday, and then. They will be there for you know five or six days, and then we'll fly to Seattle. So we didn't want them to miss that. So mm-hmm. that's another reason that we kind of wanted to wait a few days after they got out of school. They'll go do their summer camp thing for a few days. We'll fly west, and then the Fourth of July, which you know again the the, the independence of our nation, uh, running across the nation, the anniversary of our first race, it just all kind of fit into place. So yeah, it really lines up. Yep. Yeah. So the, the plan is actually kind of neat, Seamus thought that he wanted to start with his toes in one ocean and end with his toes mm-hmm. in the other ocean. And he has actually been training to walk the first few steps with his walker. He uses a, a little walker to walk um, at school. And um, he's been training to walk in the hard packed sand so that he can walk the first few steps out of the Pacific. And then mm-hmm. I'll transfer him into his running chair and run over 3,200 miles and then transfer him back into his walker. And he'll walk the last few steps in the, into the Atlantic to bring it full circle. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Well, so 30, those that, but that, that you just, you know, it was like a little blip, like he's really been training hard for a couple steps and then I'll take a couple more steps and I'll run 3,200 miles. <laughs> so, so, so how have you been training for this? I mean, how is, is this something you can train for? Or is it kind of just, you know, yeah. you get on the road and you just kind of get your body adapted within, you know, the first week is painful, the second week, not so painful. And then you could just kind of get in a groove. Like what's your plan? Yeah, so it's interesting because you're right. There's no book that you know. There's lots of books written about marathon training or training for a half marathon or 5K or whatever. But there's not many books written about how to train to run a transcontinental run across America. So, um, so who did I turn to when I was looking to to start the training? I turned to my inspiration and Seamus. And 
<laughs> oh, you know, I'm I, sure I set you up with a nice plan, like probably like you know spreadsheeted a plan for you, and uh, you, you were doing tempo it. tomorrow. <laughs> so I, I say I would say to him each day, Seamus, how many miles should I run today? And and he would often come back with 20 miles or 22 miles was his favorite distance. <laughs> and uh, so and then I'd be like, Seamus, I need a little break today. And uh, you know I'd be hoping for 10 miles or less, and he'd be like, Well. 18 or 19 miles today. <laughs> and, and he kept that up and he kept that up. And, and I really tried to oblige what he was telling me. I figured, you know, it was his mission and, and uh, I would try and follow through with his training plan. And he whipped me into shape because <laughs> I started running 20 to 25 miles every single day for like six months straight. Holy and, cow. Uh, and then as uh, the year went on and we got closer to 2015, uh, I amped up the training even more and I started running, you know, a 40 mile or a couple times a week. And then within the past uh, couple months, I uh, tried to amp it up even more and I would run average 40 miles a day. And then over Memorial Day weekend, when I had some time off from work, I uh, wanted to see if I could average what I'll be averaging this summer. And, and this summer I'll be averaging 53 to 55 miles a day for 60 consecutive days. So I wanted to see if I could average that over a span of several days. And I, I ended up averaging over 50 miles a day for eight consecutive days and ran over 400 miles um, over the Memorial Day weekend extended out, you know, both both sides. And really, I feel, you know, everybody, the, the most common question that people ask me now is, are you ready? And, you know, I don't know if it's something that I'll ever physically feel ready for, but with a, without a doubt, I am inspired by my son and uh, I, I feel as ready as I'm going to be. Wow. So, so how, I mean, how do you fit that in with, you know, working and being a husband and a, you know, dad to two kids? I mean, are you up at 2 a.m.? I mean, I realize your runs take shorter time than some of ours do, but, um, I mean, how are you fitting it all in? Yeah. So that's a great question because I don't like it to interfere with family time. As, as crazy as that sounds, I really like to spend time with my family. And some of that is, is running with Seamus, but most of it has been running solo now because he's got so many activities that he participates in and, and he's got school. So I run basically a marathon every morning before work. Um, I get up at four or four thirty and do that, and then I'll run uh, an hour or an hour and a half on my lunch break, depending on on what I can squeeze in. And that, you know, that there is is basically forty miles a day right there. And on Thursdays I don't work; I have the day off. So what I'll do is I'll put the boys on the bus and then run for the entire time that they're at school, and then get home just in time to get them off the bus. So you figure that's another seven hour run and potentially 60 miles that I, uh, that I get in there. And then on the weekends, I'll still get up early and then I'll run till, you know, eight or nine o'clock. So that's another four or five hour run there. And that's, that's how I get it in and still work 40 to 45 to 50 hours every week and spend time with my family, you know, doing the things that regular dads do, running the boys to piano lessons or horseback riding or soccer practice or baseball practice or whatever it may be because they, you know, just they're, they're regular kids too, is in that they're involved in a lot of different things, you know, Cub Scouts and so on. So now yeah. you also, I also have to ask, you live in um, a part of the country in upstate New York that gets a lot of snow. So, I mean, what did you do this winter? Were you running outdoors? Were you on the treadmill? Uh, typically in the winter, I would run outdoors, but wow. this winter, this winter was mm -hmm. uh, extremely uh, brutal with the, the amount of snow that we had and the, the frigid, frigid temperatures. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, most days, the, the road conditions where I live 
in the, the uh, rural area just weren't conducive to running outside. So I would log most of those, most of my miles uh, from January, February on, on the, the treadmill, oh. which is just mind numbing. And it's, oh. I, I never was a treadmill runner, which is why I would run outside in the winter. Um, but uh, th- this winter, knowing that I had this ahead of us this summer, I, I, I logged hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles oh. on the treadmill to the point where I actually, my treadmill broke the frame of it. Just, <laughs> just said enough. Just I'm apart. done, man. <laughs> and uh, I ended up having to buy a new one. So I've already wow. logged several hundred miles on the next one. Wow. I hope well, you got an so, extended warranty on it. Yeah. My gosh. <laughs> That's right. Wow. I did. Well, and so, I mean, you obviously a very talented runner in that, you know, you can you know pick up and more or less run, you know, close to a an Olympic qualifying time, Olympic marathon qualifying time. But I mean, what about self-care? Like, have you been like injuries minus your hips? I mean, how do you take care of yourself and how are you planning to do that on the road? Because I I mean, in 60, okay, that's a lot of questions in a row, but also 60 consecutive days. Like what, what happens if you get injured and you need to like a day or two to rehab for your hip or something? Like how, how, what's the part, how, how are you keeping yourself able to run? Yeah, well, I mean, you say talent. I, I, I look at, at it. I'm really blessed with the ability to recover quickly. I think more than anything else. I mean, I can tolerate running and I can endure, but there's days when I, I'm sore when I finish a run. But I lay down, put my feet up, ice for 15, 20 minutes, half hour or whatever, and then I get up and I feel fine. And my wife is just amazed at, you know, how how much energy or how how I can just bounce around the house in the evening. And and that's. That's really where I feel, feel the biggest blessing for me is, is my ability to recover quickly. Uh-huh. Um, but as far as, you know, self-care and, and that kind of thing, I am a physical therapist. So I, I feel like I know the warning signs of something when it's, when it's really serious. And uh, really in my training now, I just try and, and keep my pace and, you know, my, my distances within, within reason so that I'm not um, – pushing myself beyond my limits. So if I had to stop and walk to get home, because I, you know, I know that I, I've, I've had it for the day, I, I do that. But those miles, I still, I still count as logging because that's what I'm going to do this summer. I, I'm going to run. Oh, sure. I'm probably not going to run 50 miles straight. I know I'm not going to run 50 miles straight every day, even though that's how I've been training. My plan is to run 10 or 15 mile intervals and then, you know, have a snack, rehydrate, rest, put my feet up, ice, take care of my feet, you know, change my sneakers, change my socks, whatever I need to do. And then get back on the road after 15, 20 minutes, half hour, whatever I need and do another 10 or 15 miles. And, and really breaking it up into those blocks is what is making this more manageable for me rather than looking at, you know, 3,200 miles, which I I don't even like to think about because it's so, (laughs) it's just overwhelming to think about it like that. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like so most people do run walk intervals and you do like 10 miles on, you know, 10 minutes off. 10 miles on, 10 minutes off. That's right. And the other question that people ask is, you know, what about Seamus? Um, and he won't be running every step with me, similar to our race where he said, dad, keep going. That's, that's the plan for this summer. I don't plan on keeping him in his chair for eight to 10 to 12 hours a day. I, I do. I would like him to run with me each, each day. Um, but you know, that, that'll be weather pending and road condition pending and all that stuff. So he w- will hopefully run with me each day, but I'll be the one that, you know, keeps going while he hangs out with Nicole and Simon in the RV at, at times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, do you have a plan to, to, um, are you going to be able to distribute chairs along the way or is that going to be come after or what is that, is that integrated no, into that, the plan somehow? Yeah, we made sure that with Ainsley's Angels support, we have been able to make that happen. So 
Ainsley's Angels actually purchased an RV and a trailer, and they were in the market for one. And they said, you know what, this is a better, no better time than now because you guys need one. Um, so they purchased it out on the West Coast, and it's waiting for us in Pasco, Washington. Nice. Uh, Nicole will fly out on the 29th of June to to secure the RV with my mother, and um, so they'll get all that stuff ready with the trailer loaded, um, and then. Uh, the chairs that we'll be donating have been shipped to that same RV dealership and they'll load those in the trailer. And then we'll begin distributing those across the country. Uh, at least one in every state that we pass through is the plan. And, and we've kind of been finding those families recently. And that's been such an inspiring thing for me because now not only do I have Seamus pulling me across the country, I have, you know, a kid in Washington that we donate to at the start and then Idaho and then Montana and then Wyoming and South Dakota and on and on and on across the country. I have these kids that are waiting for their gifts of mobility that we'll be donating to them. And that is really, really inspiring to me. Awesome. Awesome. So, so describe your route from Seattle to New York City. You did just a little bit there and, and, um, you know, are there any sites in particular along the way that you and Seamus are excited to see? Yeah, well, that's where Seamus' younger brother, Simon, came into it. I didn't want him to feel left out of the mission. So we sat down and I said, all right, Simon, here's Seamus' plan. I want you to help me come up with the route. So I said, what what in America that you've learned about, what do you want to see? And the very first thing that he said was Mount Rushmore, which was good by me because it meant that I could avoid the the southern desert in the summer. (laughs) Northern route, northern route. (laughs) Yes. Um, So then we decided on Seattle as a starting point. Simon is also a big baseball fan, so we we wanted to hit as many um, baseball parks along the way. Nice. Um, He also... My father got them into watching Field of Dreams last year. So we had set the whole entire route, and it did include Iowa, but it wasn't going through Dyersville where the Field of Dreams was. <laughs> but Simon said, I want to go, I think I want to go see Field of Dreams. So we rerouted the whole thing, you know, <laughs> a detour and <laughs> recalculated distances and so on, so that we could include Field of Dreams on our itinerary. So there's just neat stops like that. Um, Nothing real out of the ordinary, though Seamus and I were in an airport one time flying to a race this past winter and happened to flash across CNN or something that they were visiting the Corn Palace in Mitchell, South Dakota. And Seamus and I, both, we both looked at each other and we said, we're going through Mitchell, South Dakota. We're going to have to go to the Corn Palace. So just neat things like that, you know, and we've kind of plotted, plotted different uh, sites along the way, but. Um, you know, just spending a week running through Yellowstone, I think will be oh, an amazing. That'll be sight, fantastic. You know? Oh yeah. Wow. wow. Yeah. I love that. That That's like, you know, you're not like, Oh yeah, we're going to go. I mean, you're going to end in New York city though. Right. I mean, are you really ending in the city itself? Got to get yeah, to the ocean. So, Got to get to the Atlantic yes, ocean. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, but it runs so the whole yeah, coast. The it doesn't part. have to be through, you know, Manhattan <laughs> or does so it? So for the most part, we are running through small town America. There are a few big cities on the way, obviously Seattle, um, Chicago, uh, New York city, Cleveland. There, you know, there are some big stops. Um, <clears throat> we picked New York city as a finish line one because it's, it's our home state though. It's three hours from where we live. Um, but also, it, it was kind of the shortest distance we could find to, to squeeze in, uh, to find you know a, an ocean or a beachfront that Seamus could could finish his journey in. And over the past few weeks, we have been uh, coordinating with the New York Mets. So I said that my oh. son Simon is a baseball fan. The Mets are actually wel- welcoming us to the stadium on our last day of our journey to uh, invite the boys and our family onto the field for batting practice and a meet and greet with the team and. Um, 
oh. you know, tickets to the game and that kind of oh, thing too. So that's just, wow. yeah, just, it'll be a neat, neat way to end our adventure. Um, but yeah, we will be having to coordinate, you know, the ways that the, the path to run through those cities. So we will be running through Queens and the Bronx is actually where we finished the, the beaches uh, in the Bronx, which I would never even knew there was a beach in the oh, Bronx like, until we started planning this journey. <laughs> is it, uh, it's not Rockaway, is it? No. No, it's uh, Orchard Beach in oh, uh, yeah, sure. Pelham Bay, nice. and, it's, and it's beautiful. So my wife and I went down there around Christmas time. We we take an annual trip to the city just to take in a show or whatever, mm-hmm. and we uh, we went to scope out the finishing area, and it's it's a beautiful, beautiful place, and a great place to finish our adventure. Oh, wow, wow. So so this is um, any tips on keeping kiddos entertained in running strollers, maybe for parents who are listening, who are not going to be covering 3,200 miles. I mean, I, I know you said Seamus is kind of has a knack for his um, long attention span and all that stuff, but how about for maybe kids who get a little bored in their strollers? What do you suggest? Sure. I mean, when Seamus was small, we would just sing songs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, his preschool songs and things like that, which was kind of fun for both of us. And the other thing that's been great about, all training for this and all the races that we've, that we've run and all the miles that we've run. It's just the, the time that we have to, t- to talk to each other. It's just a great time to visit, to figure out what's going on in your kids' lives. And, and whether they're a preschooler or, or in school, you know, Seamus used to tell me about the, the assemblies at school, you know, an anti-bullying assembly mm-hmm. or whatever. And he, he'd talk, talk to me about it from start to finish. And those kind of things have really helped to build his and my relationship. So, yeah, so for parents out there, I mean, you have electronic devices that can entertain kids, but for me, you know, I'd rather just talk and visit and sing and and laugh. And another thing that Seamus liked to do when he was small was explore. So we'd take the jogging stroller out, and Seamus really likes waterfalls and streams. So we'd go and find one and you know we'd look at it from both sides of the road and then sometimes we'd find a trail along a stream and and run that and again just a great bonding experience a great way for us to experience nature together and uh, to enjoy time outside sure Mm. so what about um are you still donating any running chariots along the route or do you have everyone picked out for your states just in case we have someone listening who um might know of a candidate for the most part we have um rider rider athletes selected but but we're not completely full and we aren't tied into that number of 15 if if we had a really good candidate who has has someone that that they will use it with on a regular basis you know by all means they should nominate them by going to uh, the Ainsley's Angels website that's ainsleysangels.org and click on uh, be a be an Ainsley's Angels and then go to uh, power to push support and uh, follow the links there and mm-hmm. nominate nominate a rider. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we're all about inclusion and, and the more people that we can get to spread that mission and promote inclusion, the more, the more, the merrier. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so the final question is how can listeners show their support um, in person perhaps or online? Yeah. So our itinerary is posted on our Facebook page and that's, you know, facebook.com slash power, the number two push power to push on Facebook. Um, so they can find the itinerary there and we'll be looking for support along the way. Um, uh, but a lot of that has been neat is coming from the families that we're donating chairs to. So things that we're kind of asking for and route are gas cards to cover some mm-hmm. expenses for the RV or cases of water, because I know that we're going to be going through a ton of water. Yeah, yeah just a little. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, you know, snacks for the boys and those kind of things. But um, if you're not able to get out and support along the route, um, you know, obviously we can always use 
uh, financial support by donations at our CrowdRise page, and that's crowdrise.com slash power to push. Again, power, the number two push. Um, any support is appreciated. You know, it doesn't have to be a large donation. Uh, all the money is going to support this mission and support promoting inclusion and mobility across America. So that's really what this Ainsley's Angels Power to Push is all about. Awesome. Awesome. All the brainchild of a, a seven-year-old. I know. I know. I, I kind of wish we had him on the show. I mean, I wish we could kind of chat with him a little bit, but I guess he's here in spirit, right? Yeah. 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 He's at, he, without a doubt. He's at school, right? He is at school right now, and yeah. he's wrapping up school. He has another week to go uh, before he heads to summer camp, but next Monday is his field day, and, and uh, his gym teacher invited me in to push him as a, a leg of the four by 400 meter relay, which will be kind of neat. You're oh, gonna, wow. I think you're going to have to slow both your rolls. Uh, I know. That's right. So I'm going to actually run with crowd. another student. I'm going to run with another student so that, uh, you know, we don't, we don't go too, too fast because <laughs> otherwise Seamus will just want to take off like a rocket like he likes to do. Uh, well, that's awesome. We'll take off like a rocket on July 4th, Sean. That's, uh, that's, that's so awesome. Plan. We will be, we will be thinking of you and, and, uh, you know, following you, following along online. So just have a great journey. Thank you. Yeah, best to both of you. Have a many happy miles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, so track the pro- you can track the progress both on our Facebook page or on the Ainsley's Angels website. Yeah, and we will be linking to both those in the descriptions of this um, podcast so people can um, click right from our website. So just have a great. great great time. Thank you so much, Sean. Thanks for your time. Save it brotherhood from sea to Wow. Uh, I mean, I just got chills a bunch of times during that, during. Oh, listening. yeah. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing, the whole thing, like the fact that he's like, you know, uh, you know, such a high quality runner. So that's fun to hear about, you know, by itself. Mm-hmm. And then and then to hear about Seamus and how he's driving this whole boat slash chair slash, <laughs> you know, we're going to win. And, you know, what I mean, I just I love it. And the whole thing is it is it is a Disney movie story. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of is <laughs> oh, Disney sports movie. I love that. <laughs> I know, I, love, I know. I love a good Disney sports. Yeah, movie. forget the mighty ducks. You know, it's the mighty Seamus. So yeah, yeah, McFarland, <laughs> Mc, McSeamus USA. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, I mean, you know, I did. Uh, I know you know this story, yeah. but I don't know if listeners. But I, I crewed once on a race across America, um, bike race. So mm-hmm. we they rode from um, Portland to Pensacola, Florida. So we we went, you know, kind of crisscross across the country and. I can tell you, I have never done anything that hard before or since. I mean, I mean, it was just, it, it, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. And then it is also just so hard. <laughs> there's, yeah. just, there's, no, there's no other way to describe it other than just like um, the tediousness of it sometimes well, and the, um, and just, you know, just make, you know, sometimes just being out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, you do really get to experience America unlike any other way because you're going so slow well because because with ram race across america um the support stays next to it i would we didn't ask sean but i would assume that the rv is going to kind of leapfrog ahead of them and not be right there yeah but still i mean you got to stay within you know 10 miles or so Mm -hmm. of him in case Mm -hmm. he has an issue i mean you can't just say i'll see in 50 miles (laughs) see in cleveland bye (laughs) so yeah i mean and when i was on a night crew so we did have to stay with our riders but even then i mean you do you have to because even on the back roads, I mean, even though you plan a route that isn't, you know, you're not running or riding on the interstate, you mm-hmm. still, you know, have to have like the little, 
you know, triangles, you know, slow. I mean, people need to know that you're there. So, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. having a car around you is obviously the easiest way to do that. But right. yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be great for them though. I mean, what a, what a fun experience for their whole family, yeah. you know, oh, it's yeah. so cool that Simon's involved too. I know. And it sounds like the grandmother's going to be along and it's, yeah. it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So great. Well, as I said, we will link um, to to that Facebook page. And um, if you want to find us on Facebook, we are at Run Like a Mother the Book. We would appreciate if you would like that page. On Twitter and Instagram, we are at The Mother Runner. Our websites are anothermotherrunner.com and our store site where you can find our 10K and half marathon challenges. That is motherrunnerstore.com. Our books Run Like a Mother, Train Like a Mother, and Tales from Another Mother Runner are available on Amazon as well as other online and um, bricks and mortar retailers. And whether you're pushing a stroller or not, many happy miles to you. 